This is the anthem. Here's what you came for. This is the moment. Magic was made for. Hello there. Welcome back to Fanfatals. Take a ride with us on the Hogwarts Express. Walk down Main Street with our best super pals. And defy gravity as we talk about all things fandom. Hello and welcome back to Fan Fatales. Hello and welcome back to member of the Real Fans Podcast Network. I'm Emma, and this week we have a very special and exciting guest. Our guest today is Mr. Ridley Pearson, who is an Edgar nominee and for number one New York Times bestselling author of more than 50 award-winning suspense and young adult adventure novels, including the Kingdom Keepers and Peter and the Starcatcher series. It's so nice to meet you. Thanks, Emma. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Again, as I was telling you, like right before we started, I've been a huge fan of your books for almost like 10 years now. I know I've talked about them so much on the show before. And yeah, I'm just excited to meet you. You'll never know how much that means to me. And in all sincerity, that just means the world to me. I'm still writing them. Yeah, you are. And I'm still reading them. Well, great. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. So I just wanted to start with some like general questions about you as an author. And um, what made you want to get into being a writer? And how did you get started in the first place? You know, I came out of college and um, I was a singer songwriter for almost a decade. And I just loved it. I still play music, but it was not any kind of a career. And maybe halfway into those 10, 11 years, I um, I started writing uh, scripts, actually. I started writing wow. TV scripts, thinking I might sell one. I never did. Yeah. But I got, I got the bug. And the music kept me alive. And I was able to work with some mentors and um, write, write, write. I wrote, I don't, I think I wrote a million words before I got published. And, um, it, you know, it was a terrific learning curve. I, I had so much to learn. Now I'm teaching at Boise State University. But um, yeah, so it was just, it was kind of a, you know, a comedy of errors in a way. I never would have seen myself as a writer. I always thought I, you know, I didn't think I was anywhere near smart enough to be a writer. Um, I read all through my childhood and just, you know, adored writers and revered writers. So to uh, eventually be a published writer and have a number of books out, it's really just, you know, it's it's a dream come true. Yeah. That's awesome. Again, you being on this show is just like a big, I wish I could go back and tell like middle school Emma reading those books for the first time. (laughs) You're so sweet. (laughs) I I remember (laughs) and I, yeah, I know now, but I remember, I think it was in eighth grade and I went to the 24 hour Disney event dressed in all black like the kingdom keepers going oh so like, great the night i don't have a picture i wish i did but yeah I that is that. so great yeah i've had so much fun with the kingdom keepers my gosh and i'm still as i say i'm still going i'm going to be in yeah. disneyland 
uh, over D23, and uh, uh-huh. they've arranged for me to do a do a pretty deep dive on research, more research into Disneyland. Uh-huh. So I'll be doing that on a Friday. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, and do you have any advice for young people who want to be authors? Yeah, I mean, it, it's probably a cliche, but the three most important things are read, read, read. Yeah, uh, I think too many of us are on our phones these days to understand what reading a book really is. But yeah. uh, it seems that from the author friends I have, it seems that we all were reading two or three books a week when we were kids. Yeah, you know, just eating them up, and you can't. I mean, last night I was reading, of course, and you can't get any better no. at it without reading. So, yeah. um, I don't read enough. I wish I read more. But every time I read a sentence, I gain something from it. And, uh, you know, I have bookshelves and bookshelves and bookshelves of a zillion books that I've read, and I continue to read all the time. But, you know, other than that, once I got started, I think the the best, and it was just sort of self-taught experience, was yeah. that you keep your bottom in the seat. It's just so easy to say, oh, I'll make a cup of tea, or I'll get a cup of coffee, or I think I'll answer this phone call, or... You know, I wonder what the dog's doing. And you just, you, you have to stay in the seat and kind of put a seatbelt on your chair and lash it down and, and write. You just have to write, 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 write. I do so many drafts of all these books because yeah. I just don't get them right the first time. And I'm, an, I'm a massive outliner. So I know everything that's going to happen and I still don't do it right. Yeah. Um, so every book you read of mine has been... At, at rewritten at least four full times and then wow. a couple polishes and a copy edit and a lot of work with the editor. Yeah. Um, editors are super important. So I would never suggest to early writers to use your family or even friends as your, your first readers when you're trying something and trying to get, because they won't be honest with you. And yeah. you need to find somebody down the block or your teacher or, um, you know, some college student that's a sister of somebody, somebody who can be more objective because everybody's going to tell you, oh, it's so good. Well, it isn't very good, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, you need to do a lot more work on it. And yeah. and that's what even, you know, with all the books I've published, uh, my editors are constantly writing me letters to say, nice try. <laughs> now let's do this. You know, wow. it's just it's just the way it is. It's a yeah. long process. You have to get your ego out of the way. You have to be willing to try changes. It doesn't mean you always keep them. But if my editor says, I really don't like the way you're dealing with Charlene in Kingdom Keepers, um, I'll say, okay, so what's what's happening? And And she will typically give me half a page on that. And I'll read it and go, you know what? She's right. And yeah. I ought to try it with that in mind. So I try I go through the whole book just in the Charlene parts and try to improve them and send them to her. And she goes, you're close, but you aren't there. And you do it again. She goes, okay, great. Stop. And now let's work on Finn, you know, and and off you go. So it's just endless. Yeah. And at some point the editor says, stop enough, (laughs) you know, and that's a great day. Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned Charlene first because she's personally my favorite. Of she's one of my favorite too. Five. Um, and I have a huge crush on Amanda. I just. Uh, oh, I love Amanda. I, I don't know what it is about yeah. Amanda, but typically my editorial letters come back. 
love Amanda, but try to cut about two thirds of what you've done. Cause I just oh overwrite gosh. Amanda yeah. in every book and they go, you know, it's a little too fan fan stuff here. You're, you're getting yeah. a little too, too big a crush. Turn <laughs> it back a little, you know, it's very oh. fun. Yeah. But I just love Amanda. I don't know why. Yeah. She was going to be, she was going to be on, I don't know, three pages of the book. That's in the outline. Now, wow. to me, she's one of the major characters in the whole series. That's awesome. So you never know. You know, yeah. some characters just jump off the page. You yeah. can see them. You can feel them. You fall in love with them. You want to keep putting them out there and yeah. find fun things. It's just very interesting how all that works. Yeah. So before we get into more Kingdom Keepers talk, I mentioned Peter and the Starcatcher, which is another yeah. book series I loved so much. I'm a huge Peter Pan and Neverland girl. Mm. So reading like your prequel to the Peter Pan tale right. is so cool. Um, yeah. But I know that you wrote it with Dave Barry. So how did I you did. So we met, um, we both are or were, or we never know whether it's were or are, but we've been playing music together yeah. in an all authors rock band for 26 years. Wow. And um, I had been a huge fan of Dave Barry's. So it was a little intimidating. The first day I went in to play music with everybody, Stephen King was there and Amy Tan wow. and Dave Barry and Barbara, uh, Barbara King Solver and all these amazing writers yeah. and me. And it was like, what am I doing here? Um, but I can I can play music, you know. I'm not great, but I was okay. And uh, Dave and I were both runners, and so we saw yeah. each other in the lobby of the hotels. We did tours with this band to raise money, and we've been playing in that band for 26 years now. And wow. we had gotten to be friends, and we were playing one of these shows in Miami, and I was staying at his house, and he asked me what I was up to, and I said, you know, I was reading to. Uh, Paige, which is was our first daughter, yeah, and uh, Paige and I were reading Peter Pan, and wow. she put her hand across the book and said, "Dad, how did Peter Pan meet Captain Hook in the first place?" And I just went, "Oh my gosh, why don't I know the answer to yeah. this?" And then I thought, "I can answer this," and so I told Dave about this experience, and I said, "I really don't know what I'm going to do," but and then it dawned on me, and I said. Because at the time, I killed people for a living. I wrote murder mysteries. Yeah. And um, and they were pretty serious, and some of them were pretty gruesome. And <laughs> and I thought, you know, I don't know. I, I'm probably going to write some psycho kid book and not do the right thing. And uh, and I said to Dave, you know, you write booger jokes, and mm -hmm. I kill people for a living, and I, I wonder if we could do this together. And yeah. he literally pounded the kitchen table and said, I'm in. Wow. So off we went, having no idea how two people write a book. It's hard enough for one person to write a book. Yeah. Two people is like five times as hard. It's exponential. Um, but boy, was it fun. And I laughed. I, I laughed for 10 years writing with Dave Barry. Yeah. And I'm a huge theater person. And of course, ah. Peter and the Starcatchers was turned into a play. Yeah. What so Peter the and the Starcatchers of that. Peter and the Starcatchers was optioned by Disney, both live action and animation to be wow. a full-time movie. And then live action had decided it should be animated. And right as they decided that, Pixar merged with Disney. Wow. And John Lasseter, who was at the time head of Pixar, said yeah. he really loved the story, but they work in six-year cycles. 
And he said, the first time we re- it would even think about doing this would be seven years from now. And then it would take six years to be done, which was wow. like 13 years. And Dave yeah. and I said, I don't think we're willing to wait 13 years. So we, we took it off the market. And to our surprise, Tom Schumacher, who um, actually had been at animation for some of the really big early successes like Aladdin and yeah. just a whole bunch of them. He was now head of Disney theatrical and a young guy who was not really interning with them, but was just sort of sort of associated with them. A yeah. guy named Rick Ellis, who was really busy writing a script with a friend about um, Frankie Valley and the early days of sort of wow. New Jersey yeah. Frankie Valley band that would later become um, a little thing called Jersey Boys. Jersey Boys, yeah. But he didn't, at the time, there was no Jersey Boys. And Rick was reading things for Tom to see if they might someday be a decent fit yeah. for Disney theatrical. And he happened to read Peter and the Starcatcher. And Rick wow. Ellis just loved the book. And he walked yeah. into Tom and said, of everything you've given me to read, this is the book that needs to go to Broadway. Yeah. And um, and it's a tricky book, right? It's a yeah. prequel. It's, it's, you know, it's funny in places. It's scary in places. Yeah. And, it's a prequel uh, to uh, one of the most beloved stories. To this iconic thing. Do you dare even do this? We, yeah. Which we faced in writing it, honestly. We really? didn't know what we were getting into. We thought we were writing a book for our kids. Yeah. Um, we didn't think we were going to do more than eight copies. Go down to Kinko's. Dave would take four. I'd take yeah. four. And I mentioned it to my editor at the time I was working on the first Kingdom Keepers. And I, I said, you know, Dave and I are writing this prequel to Peter Pan. And she wrote back, what? <laughs> yeah. and, and I said, yeah. And she said, I want to see that right now. Yeah. So I got Dave's permission and I sent like the first three chapters. They contacted both our agents and signed it up immediately before yeah. it was done. And just said, yeah. we, we want this book. So Tom wanted it for stage and he asked Rick to write it. And then Rick became world famous for Jersey yeah. Boys and a million other plays. And Rick did the most incredible interpretation of it. And sure enough, it eventually six years six years later, it made it to Broadway. And oh. um it won five Tonys. Yeah. And it's been in the top ten of the most produced plays in America for the last decade. Wow. I've definitely really seen crazy. a lot. Again, I am from the Orlando area and I've definitely seen a lot of productions of it down here. Have you? Yeah. And they're yeah. all different. Yeah. Oh yeah. Some of all them different. work, some of them don't, but it's so fun. Yeah. It is. It's such a yeah. fun story, just the book alone and seeing mm. it on stage is just amazing. Well, thanks. We we uh we also um we had an amazing experience with the audio yeah uh, because the the guy who who read the audio had read all the harry potter books in america wow. and um it's really kind of embarrassing but the audio books those first two or three audio books are better than the books <laughs> because jim jim dale is such yeah. an amazing narrator he gets all these voices he called dave and me up and said i want to run through all the voices yeah. And and we went, what? And he said, so Mrs. Bumbrake, uh, she grew up not that long. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he did this perfect accent, not me. Wow. Um, and then he said, but she's been living with the Astors and they talk very much like this. And he did this other accent. And he yeah. said, so really, it's a blend. And then he did a perfect blend of the two. Wow. And you went, 
who are you? you yeah. know? So, and he did this for like 15 characters in the book. Wow. It was just, on, and Dave and I were on the other end saying, we really don't think we should have this phone call. Sounds like you've got it pretty much handled, you know? Wow. Um, and, and he won the best audio book for Peter and the Star Catchers and Peter and the Shadow King. So wow. the book had a ton of success and it's been just so, so much fun. Dave and yeah. I ended up writing, I think, 13 books together. We really had a blast. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, it was really, really fun. Then yeah. he divorced me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, And now let's get into The Kingdom Keepers. Sure. Which, again, was how I first found you. I think I was just trying to find something in the elementary school library and came across Kingdom Keepers and saw the first cover and that. was like, whoa, this looks interesting and have been a fan ever since. I just love hearing that. Yeah. So how did you yeah, come so, up I mean, with Kingdom Keepers, Kingdom Keepers also came from a Dave Barry experience because I had never, my parents wouldn't take us to the Disney parks. Yeah. And so I had never been to the Disney parks and mm-hmm. until I got into my 40s. And um, we wanted to take our kids. And I mentioned this again to Dave Barry. And he said, you can't go to the Disney parks, you know, Disney World, basically, without me, because I'm the world's expert on Disney World. Um, and he, he was kidding, of course, but uh, we, we were honored. And so we were going to go yeah. with our two families to Disney World. And Dave and I have this, you know, competitive edge with each other. And so I was at the time, my, my murder thrillers were published by a division of Disney. And I called them and said, Hey, I want to, I want to pull a surprise on Dave because he's telling me he's the biggest expert and I need an expert. And they arranged one. So um, Dave had no idea any of this was coming. And when we got to Disney world, they put us up in the, uh, in the Floridian for free. Wow. They, when we got to our room, all our passes for the next three days and our kids were in a big fan on our desk. Wow. There were cakes on the side tables with our books covers on them that were edible. Wow. I mean, they went completely over the top. And they said, go to the, go to the lobby um, at 7.30 and meet. And gosh, I wish I could remember her name because she was the coolest person ever. But she was a, a vested VIP yeah. guide. And so for three days, we were treated, the, the person she had toured the week before was John Travolta. Oh, wow. And, and Dave and I are just these little writers, you know? And it's like, wait, you're treating us like John Travolta? Yeah. But they did. They just, they spoiled us oh. rotten. And um, I had been brought up to write thank you notes. Yeah. So I, I wrote my, my publisher a thank you note for the great surprise. Dave was, yeah. in fact, really surprised. And he... And then I called him. I wanted to not just write. So I called him and he said, you know, you really need to thank a person over at Disney Books, a, a woman named Wendy Lefkon, because she arranged all this. I didn't do anything uh, but make a phone call. So yeah. I called Wendy and I was talking to Wendy and I told her just how enthralled I was by all the attractions. And I said, you know, what gets me as a storyteller is that every ride we were on and we were on every ride when you're yeah. a vip guide you're on everything eight times um and i said there's a beginning middle and end to every single attraction yeah um just like a story 
And she said, well, have you ever heard of the Imagineers? And then she sort of started to educate oh. me about how these things are built and designed. Yeah. And that, yes, there's about an 80 page storybook written about every ride. Yeah. Um, wow. And it happened that Disney right at that time, I think this is 2005 ish, was trying to find an author to write a thriller for kids set in, in their theme parks. And oh, the wow. trouble was you couldn't hurt any kids. You yeah. couldn't sabotage any rides. You couldn't have anybody come into the park with a gun or a knife or any weapon. Yeah. You couldn't really threaten Disney in any way, but they wanted it to be a thriller. Yeah. And she said, if you can solve that puzzle, we'll publish it. Um, and I solved the puzzle. So yeah. uh, it took and me you keep months. publishing it. Yeah. I mean, it took me many months and probably five different outlines. Oh. But the, the fourth or fifth one I submitted involved holograms because yeah. I had gone to this symposium and I'd seen this little thing. You can buy these on the Internet. They're like 15 bucks. They come with a little plastic pig. And without plugging it in or anything, they project a plastic pig, a, a pink oh. pig on the top of them. It looks absolutely real, Emma. Yeah. It's not translucent. It looks absolutely opaque and real. And on oh. one of the, you know, go to the bathroom breaks, I went up to pick up this pig and my fingers went through it. And I went, wow, I know what has to happen. Yeah. If the kids are all light. Nothing bad can happen to them. And the lawyers will let me write this. So I wrote it all up <laughs> yeah. and I sent it to Wendy and the lawyers approved it. And off we went. Wow. So it was That's really fun. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. Um, so of course you've written all these books and have gone to like tours and researched all of them, especially the Kingdom Keeper series, like doing private tours around the parks and the cruise lines. Right. What has been your most interesting or your favorite location to discover more while researching for this Ooh, series? That's a big ask. I've yeah. now been in the parks over 30 times after wow. hours. Yeah. Like at, at five in the morning usually. Wow. And so I've been on, I've been in a very creepy park <laughs> because even at five in the morning, most of the workers, they, they work on the parks at yeah. night, but those people have gone home. So you're really in an empty park. Wow. It's chilly. The sun hasn't risen. Yeah. There's only a few lights on. There's no music. Nothing's moving. And it's you and a guide. Wow. And the guide, in my case, is always um, an Imagineer. It's yeah. somebody who knows about the rides I'm trying to go to. So my experience has been both kind of scary <coughs> and fascinating. You know, I'm yeah. writing furiously in my notebook, but it's creepy. You know, it's yeah. creepy in there when it's quiet. You're so used to all this music and people. Yeah, I think most of it is conditioning. You know, you're just yeah. so used to it that when you walk through this thing and it's Quiet. Yeah. You go, well, this is not not, not terribly comfortable. Yeah. So my the strangest places I encountered and spent a lot of time in were the Utilidor in Magic Kingdom, wow. which is a, a mile and a half of underground tunnels. Yeah. And it's just a fascinating piece of uh you know engineering. Yeah, because there's there's all these rooms down there. There's costumes rooms. There's beauty rooms. There's cafeterias. There's you know awesome. computer servers. There's everything you can imagine. Yeah, um, including this giant tube that I asked about, and because it was everywhere, 
And I said, what is that darn tube? And they said, have you ever seen somebody wheeling trash out of Disney, at, you know, out of the Magic Kingdom? Yeah. And I said, well, no. Uh, and they said, how much trash do you think is generated in here in a day by 60,000 wow. people, you know? And they suck it out of the parks. They wow. have these giant air sucking tubes and you go yeah. behind the cast member areas and it's all secured and you drop your bag in and it goes and it's gone. It goes a half a mile and gets shot into a trash compactor and a truck drives it away. Wow. Uh, and so that kind of discovery, you just go, wait a second, what's yeah. going on here? You know, there's so much more that than meets the eye when you're in yeah. the parks. Um, equally fascinating was the engine room. Um, I've been to the engine room of a couple of the Disney cruise ships. Just yeah. fascinating places. I mean, wow. they have you know they have machines that desalinate the water they have wow they have three three generators electric generators each one of which can power a city of 20,000 homes wow one is running one has been overhauled and is ready to run in case you need it one is being overhauled at the time wow and so you're just down there going all of this is below this ship somehow i mean yeah so you know there have just been so many amazing experiences getting into the galleys on the ships. Yeah. Um, fascinating. Uh, you know, you wouldn't think a kitchen could be fascinating. Totally yeah. fascinating. Um, all the walk-in freezers and all that stuff. And the Imagineers, who are just brilliant people, there's about 4,000 yeah. of them. And they got to know that I was a little bit in awe of and perhaps even a little afraid of Maleficent. Yeah. Um, from, from reading my books, um, I've, mm -hmm. I, I pay Maleficent a great deal of respect. I don't like green yes. people with, with big chins. So um, I was mm -hmm. in then MGM Parks. We were talking about that a while ago, yeah. uh, which is now Disney Studios. And yes. um, I was in there at 435 in the morning with an Imagineer and we were going over to Indiana Jones or one of those rides. Yep. And he stopped to get a drink of water at a watering fountain. He said, I'll meet you around the corner. And, you know, I was in a bit of a haze and I wasn't really thinking. So I walked on without him and I turned the corner and there's a six foot tall Maleficent. And she goes, Ridley, what are you doing in my park? And I, I about had to have a change of underwear. I was just running wow. the other direction. It was like, get out of here. And the guy That's was laughing crazy. and then we went back and shook hands and said hi. But, oh, my gosh, it was terrifying. That's awesome. Yeah. Really fun. And actually, funny enough that you mentioned Maleficent. Um, obviously, the Kingdom Keepers have met and fought a bunch of Disney characters and Disney rides, including, like, Small World throughout the series. Yeah. Which was your favorite to write for? Villain or scene? villain and scene how about that the the favorite scene of readers is small world yeah and i revisit it now in the second inheritance book that i'm writing right now oh interesting um uh in a different way similar okay. but different way uh and i didn't know that at the time you know at the time i was just letting my imagination go and i think you know, in, in the case of Small World, I was on my private 
tour with an Imagineer and they uh, he we always walk the attraction yeah. first. There's an emergency exit route and it takes it takes a good long time. It takes about an hour and a half. Oh. And I would take notes all along the way of, of sort of the tricks of the ride, some of which I'm never allowed to talk about, some yeah. which they let me. And um, we had done that on Small World and we got back and, you know, the guy said, I, I know that you usually like to ride the ride at least once or twice after you've walked it. Would you would you like to ride the ride? Yeah. And I said, I really would. You know, I'd love to get a feel for it away from when I hear everybody else. And and I said, in fact, maybe we could do it, you know, with no lights and no music. Yeah. And he said, sure, hop in. So off we went into a dark Wow. Small world. The only thing on in there are those emergency lights when there's a yeah. hurricane or something. And they cast really weird shadows along those dolls. I mean, really weird. Half a face and yeah. weird shadows onto the other doll. And they're all stuck like this. You know, none of them are moving. Yeah, uh, it was it was extraordinarily creepy. I, I, in fact, have one photo that when I'm on the road for my books, I occasionally share. I don't think the Imagineers would love that, but I do. Um, of just how <laughs> creepy it is when yeah. there's no lights on in there. And then, um, sure enough, we're we're through the first scene. I don't remember whether it was the second or the third scene, but out of the corner of my eyes, two of the dolls stepped forward, and I just freaked. I jumped out of my seat. You know, wow. full grown adult. Yeah. And the guy who was with me steadies the boat and says, "What's wrong with you?" And I said. Did you not see those dolls move? Yeah. You know, he said, Ridley, you're a grown adult. The ride is shut off. The dolls are not moving. And I said, dude, I'm an Eagle Scout. Two <laughs> of those dolls just moved. So that's yeah. what I had in my notebook was that I had seen two of the dolls move. By the way, I've since met other people who have seen the dolls move. So I'm not completely nuts. But um, I'm sort of nuts, but I'm not completely nuts. <laughs> so as a writer, you try to make the world more extraordinary. So yeah. as I was writing that chapter, I had typed and two of the dolls moved. And and I thought to myself, no, 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 all of the dolls moved. Yeah. Um, and that that just changed everything, made it kind of a Stephen King scene. And um, and readers have loved it. So that, yeah. that was a favorite scene to write. And I do love writing about Maleficent because yeah. she gives me the creeps. And it's really fun when you find characters um I, I think we were talking about this earlier, how much I adore Amanda and yeah. Charlene in the series. And you just find characters who speak to you. And, and Maleficent has, I've just been a little afraid of Maleficent every time I write her. And I think that's a, a really interesting place to come from. I don't love the movies. I haven't, I walked out on the yeah. first movie. I haven't seen the second. Um, just because they were, to me, they were playing with a different beginning to Maleficent. Yeah. Than, than Disney lore. And so for me, it was, didn't quite work, but. I kind of uh, agree with that too. I mean, I love Angelina Jolie. Yeah. It's not her and it's not the writers. It's just something didn't work for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really love writing her. I love writing Chernabog and Cautionary Tales, a book that's coming out in about a month, October 4th. Yes. I have a number of short stories and uh, Chernabog is in one of them. And he's, He's a character who Walt Disney, who created him, said is the most evil creature on earth wow. and the most evil character I've ever written. Chernabog eats human souls. Yeah. And I went, wait, the happiest guy on earth wrote a character that eats 
human souls. Well, I've got to write about this. And yeah. at the time, Chernobog was just kind of a Fantasia character. Yeah. And so I thought, this is great. I can play with Chernobog. He isn't as established. So yeah. I've had a blast writing Chernobog. And he also terrifies me. Yeah. Yeah, and I've now noticed that they've started selling pins and like having him on parade floats and stuff like ever since. And of course, oh, I know. I think my first real experience with Chernobog was the Kingdom Keeper books more so than Fantasia. I had ah, seen yeah, Fantasia yeah, yeah. before, but like didn't really know who he was. Yeah, you don't really see him. I mean, he's in there quickly and gone. Yeah. Yeah, and he so always of course I got to me. know him more with your books. No, I that's can't great. Wait to read I didn't. Tales. Oh, Cautionary Tales is so fun. I'm so thrilled about this book. Yeah. It has this great illustrator. And um, they asked me to write, you know, six or eight short stories. Okay. Making them scary stories. Yeah. Using iconic Disney characters. Well, you know, what greater thing could you ever be asked yeah. to do? So I had to. You know, I would try things and run it by my editor and she'd say, no, we better try a different character. That's not going to yeah. work for us and, and stuff like that, which was great. I mean, it was a process. But um, so it ended up eight stories. But as I was writing the stories, I kept thinking that I I I read short stories quite often, but yeah. they, they feel kind of disconnected, a lot of short stories. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I don't know that I'm going to love this book if it's just sort of eight different stories. Yeah. And what would you think if I could find two characters whose own story was a ninth story and it weaves its way through every one of these? And they said, that sounds crazy, but if you can pull it off, let's do it. And so that's what it is. It's almost a novel because we follow two characters, Billy, a woman, a young woman, and Tim, a young man, they find something in the Disney archives that allows them to go into these Disney stories. And then they react with the with the stories that we know, yeah. making them wrong. And so Interesting. through the book, hopefully you get some chills here and there, but yeah. you, you know, you see characters like Belle and Chernabog and the Headless Horseman and oh, wow. on and on and on yeah. with these two kids from present day, you know, landing in these places going, where am I now? So yeah. it's, it's a really fun, and they've made it a gorgeous looking book. I, yeah, it I looks just can't wait for gorgeous. it to come out. I remember, well, I forget when you posted the first like cover art, I was like, oh, I'm excited for this. <laughs> Me and too. I've been like keeping track of everything ever and the, since you know it's the illustrator and, and i'm forgetting her name but she's just i mean she's a famous illustrator mm-hmm. she did just a brilliant job there's illustrations mm-hmm. all through the book you know wow. every other page yeah um it's got a beautiful cover they're, they're putting me out on a small tour um it's wow. really going to be a fun book i hope to get to the parks for the yeah. mickey Halloween. I don't know if they're going to bring me. That'd but that's be what awesome. I, if they bring I know it, out. it's a Halloween book, so I hope. Yeah, so. yeah. So too, especially if you come down to Disney but World, because in October fourth, if I come yes. to Disney World, you and I are having lunch together. Yes. 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 I'll Good. make it happen. <laughs> me too. Yeah. 
But yeah, that was my last question because I did have a okay. cautionary tales section, but you answered all of them in your little. Oh, I'm so about excited it. about that! And then oh. uh, it's been delayed by the pandemic three yeah. or four times now. But finally, the first Disney, great. which is Kingdom Keepers Inheritance. Yes. Um, it's going to be called. I believe it's going to be Kingdom Keepers Inheritance: The Shimmer. Okay. And um, it comes out February twenty first in 23 so coming right up and then there will be one book every february after that for three yeah. years um that and i'm so excited i've been sitting on this oh great yeah well come come for the signing yes. i will definitely be doing a signing for that in, okay. in both parks and um it's you know it sat on shelves for about three and a half years so i'm so eager for this to get out but yeah. i'm just now finishing it up book two and then wow. i still have book three to write uh, yeah. But it's it's a really fun series because I I didn't want to keep writing the same story. Yeah, you know you don't want to do that. So when they said, "Is there anything else in the Kingdom Keepers world you'd want to tackle?" and I said, "Well, I would love to do the kids of the Kingdom Keepers." Yeah, and so we meet the kids of the Kingdom Keepers, see that they got yeah. some of the abilities of their fairly parents, Ooh. and off they go. Yeah. I'm so excited for that I'm so series. <laughs> I'm so yeah. excited too. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, please like follow him on Instagram at Ridley Pearson for all updates. And of course, in our fandom news section, I'll be po- saying updates of the Kingdom Keepers books and okay. everything else he's doing. But Ridley, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Emma. What fun. Appreciate yeah. it. No problem. Yeah. We'll see you for lunch in February. Yes, Happy birthday in February. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. The first Broadway revival of August Wilson's The Piano Lesson will now play at the Ethel Barrymore Theater for its 17-week engagement. The production was originally supposed to come to the St. James Theater, which is the current home of the Into the Woods revival. Star Wars will reveal that its Rogue One spinoff series, Andor, has been delayed. Instead of being released on August 31st, Andor will now debut on September 21st on Disney+. The series will also debut with a three-episode premiere as opposed to releasing with just two. Into the Woods has extended its Broadway run by eight weeks, which will now have a closing date of October 16th at the St. James Theatre. The Flash will end following its upcoming 13-episode ninth season. Now this marks the end of an era for the CW, as The Flash instantly became one of the network's most-watched shows upon its debut in 2014, and has remained one of the most popular series on the network ever since. Lena Hall and Andrew Call are going to join the cast of Little Shop of Horrors beginning in September as Audrey and Oren, respectively. Marvel's Secret Invasion will be a, quote, crossover event series, end quote, that, quote, showcases a faction of shape-shifting scrolls who have been infiltrating Earth for years, end quote. The show will also feature more familiar faces as well as plot points that intersect with the rest of the MCU. The world premiere of High Noon, based on the Academy Award-winning film of the same title, will arrive on Broadway in 2023, written by Eric Roth and directed by Michael Arden.
DC has no plans to release its previously planned and fully filmed Batgirl movie in theaters or on the HBO Max streaming service. Dylan Klena, which is the brother of Derek Klena, Lauren Channel, Jane McLeod, Chris Hotch, and more are joining the cast of the Jagged Little Pill Tour. Marvel's She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, is going to be streaming new episodes on Thursdays instead of on Wednesdays like all the Disney Plus Marvel shows before it. James Monroe Iglehart, Philippa Sue, Stephen Pasquale, and Jesse Mueller will lead Guys and Dolls at the Kennedy Center. The upcoming Joker sequel, officially titled Joker Folly A Dua, starring Lady Gaga and Joaquin Phoenix as Harley Quinn and Joker, will be released on October 4th of 2024 in theaters. Angelica Ross will play Roxy Hart in Chicago beginning next month, which is September, beginning or becoming the first openly trans woman to play a leading role in a Broadway musical. Lilius White will play Hermes in Town beginning in September. Audra McDonald will lead Ohio State Murders at the, at the James Earl Jones Theater beginning in November. And last but certainly not least, the unofficial Bridgerton musical Life in Concert at the Royal Albert Hall in London has been cancelled following recent lawsuits for the Barlow and Bear team. Now let's get into that outro. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Fan Fatales. We are a proud part of the Real Fans Podcast Network. And if you want to check out more shows on the network, you can find them on rf4rm.com. Join us next week where I will be chatting with my good friend and former castmate of Children of Light, Julie, as we sort some of our beloved characters into Hogwarts houses, including the Kingdom Keepers. Remember to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast, and subscribe to us on YouTube. Please leave us a review and comment down below to tell us what you think of the show, and remember to follow us on Instagram and tw- Twitter at FanFatalesPod for the latest updates and to possibly be featured in a future episode. Now my Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok are all at SnippyEmma, which is S-N-I-P-P-Y-E-M-M-A. Our editing is by the wonderful Carol Meyer. As always, thanks for tuning in. Bye! The views expressed in this episode do not reflect the brand or company they are about. 